Put yourself in the position of the disciples. So less than 40 days prior to this gospel, the Lord Jesus died on the cross, and for some three days, they mourned that loss. I mean, they really thought he was dead, he was gone, that the, the movement was over, that their great teacher, um, who they thought was the Messiah, who, who claimed to be the Messiah, turned out he wasn't the Messiah, right? And so for three days, they're in mourning, um, longing you know, to, for his return or, or longing for some sort of consolation. And then on that third day, they get the news that he's gone, right? They, they go to the tomb, he's gone, and then they encounter him, and they find that, in fact, the Lord had risen from the dead. And so all of those promises, was he the Messiah, was he not, after those days of mourning, now they're overjoyed to have their teacher back, their beloved friend back, and also, you know, looking so forward to what does this mean now? You know, he's back with us. What's he going to do? What is he going to usher in as the Messiah? What sort of uh, amazing things await us now because we spent three years with him and saw all these amazing things. Now he has risen from the dead. The amazing things are probably just going to continue and continue and continue. And then the Lord tells them, I'm leaving you again. I mean, you can imagine they must have felt crushed. What do you mean again? Where are you going? You know, the, the work that we have to do is here, right? I mean, isn't this what it's all about? And yet the Lord said, no, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And the disciples are like, no, you don't get it. You don't, you don't, you don't understand how to be a Messiah. That, that's not how the Messiah is supposed to work. That's not how his, his life is supposed to go. That, that, once again, Jesus, you don't understand who you're supposed to be. <laughs> and so they, they kind of correct him and they ask him questions and their hearts are troubled and they're, you know, there's just all this emotion, all this emotion. And so uh, Thomas, who, who speaks so often for those who are questioning and, and just wondering, you know, says, where are you going? How can we know the way? Where, where? And then we get that line we know so well. Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life. Follow me. So what we have here is a foreshadowing of the assumption. And, and this gospel is chosen all the time for funerals, all the time for funerals, because it, I think, because it speaks to Jesus preparing a place for us, and it, which is ready for us when our time comes. So it, it fills people with hope, you know, that their deceased loved one is now in that place that Jesus has made just for them, specifically for them. And what we see is that this whole, it's called the Paschal mystery, right? The Easter mystery continues. And, and it's not just about Easter. It's also the next movement is Jesus going back to the Father to prepare a place for us. That he knows what he's doing. The Father knows what he's doing. 
and Jesus is, is following his father's will, that God has a plan. And that plan is not, you know, worldly domination. That plan is not that everything in this life is going to be fine. That plan was never that Jesus would rise from the dead and then fix everything. And what could be more abundantly clear that God does not, in fact, fix everything? And isn't that the frustrating thing? I mean, it's one of the frustrating things, but it's, it's one of the biggest stumbling blocks to belief. Well, if God is good and loving and he's all-powerful, why doesn't he fix everything? Why doesn't he save us from you know, suffering and death? Why doesn't he save us from this plague? Why, you know, on and on and on. Where is God? And I think, like the disciples, we can put ourselves in that position and we say, you know, Jesus, I, I don't think you know how to be God. <laughs> you know, I, we have a better idea of how you should be God. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to heal us when we need to be healed. You're supposed to save us and save our children, you know, from, from suffering and pain and death and plague and being out of work, right? Economic collapse. That's what a loving God would do. You're not being a good enough God. We don't use those words perhaps, but I think it's how we feel. It's certainly how we from time to time question. And the Lord says to us today through this gospel, I have a bigger plan. I have a much bigger plan. I have a much bigger plan for, for the entirety of creation than just that I would fix these problems every time something goes wrong. And I have a bigger plan for your life too. I have a much bigger plan than you can ever imagine. You know, the things that we think will fulfill us, the things that we think will be enough. How many times have we you know, attained those things and we find ourselves wanting. We get what we thought we wanted and then we wonder maybe there's more. This desire for more is innate in the human person as is the reality that there's nothing in this life that will fulfill that desire. This is how we're created. We're created for more, much, much more. And what Jesus reminds us today is that his gift is so much more overwhelming and powerful than our expectations. And what we need to do is trust in him. He is the way. We follow him. He is the truth. We listen to his words. And he is the life he is the one through his grace that feeds us and sustains us.